had like this this little mint that was like <laughs> it was broken Wait, and, and I kept a it. It mint? was like a like a, a candy? like a candy mint, like a breath mint. <laughs> breath mint that was like you not used a breath. No, no, it was like it, it was like it was in the wrapper. Hello and bienvenue. Welcome to the Silence Between, the official podcast of your Winnipeg Symphony Orchestra. Bienvenue. This is the Silence Between the WSO podcast. I'm Elise Lavallee, your host, and today I'm excited, thrilled, and really scared. We're going to be uh, talking to you, uh, actually, from Fools and Horses uh, Coffee Shop, great place on Broadway here. We're talking to you about uh, basically how to get a job as an orchestral musician, and that is the audition process. And I have two great musicians, colleagues, with me today. Uh, Mike Camp and Andrew Goodlett. Welcome. Bienvenue. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> so, um, just to start, for us to explain to people how we get to play with the WSO or any orchestra, how does it work? Where do you find the job posting? What do you do? Etc. Uh, first, for me, usually is checking the monthly union magazine and see what audition gets posted <laughs> or you go to musicalchairs.info <laughs> and see what jobs are open and every orchestra puts out you know when somebody leaves their section uh, they need to fill it and so they announce an audition date and uh, you send in your resume they send you the pieces that you need to know when you go to the audition and then you show up for the audition which I'll transfer so before we keep going are there often auditions Uh, depends what instrument you play. Uh, I so was going to say, I'll take this one step further. Yes. Uh, I have a list and I kind of have kept a list more or less since I was in my undergraduate studies Ooh. of orchestras that the players got their jobs in a certain era mm -hmm. or that were a certain age. Mm -hmm. um, and it's kind of just a uh, like a scouting report of orchestras with availability. Mike um, Kemp is a huge hockey fan, I by the way. <laughs> so a lot of my analogies will be sports related. Um, but so uh, between that and kind of reaching out to teachers and, and friends to kind of get a feel for what opportunities might come up because uh, as, a, as a timpanist, there's one of me or one of my position in every orchestra and there's yes. only a handful of orchestras that you can make a living wage yes. playing. So the the joke of you having to wait for someone to retire or die uh, it's a very real is, thing is a very real thing uh, unfortunately and you know um, so it, it, you kind of get a feeler for what might be coming um, and have an idea but usually uh, the first of every month as Andrew said uh, the AF of M posts the updated yep. audition list which is the musicians union um, and it's kind of just a ritual that You go there and see with bated breath if there's any opportunities. <laughs> so once you found an audition that you want to take, then is there usually a pre-audition tape or something? Or uh, I've had to make a couple pre-audition tapes before. Uh, you know, you have to send in your resume, yep. and then they'll send you the list. And if you have, like at this point in my career, I have enough on my resume that I don't have to do. I wouldn't have to do some of those. Pre-audition taste, but yeah. 
I remember, you know, I think I was like 19 or 20 and, you know, like Boston Symphony had an audition oh, or something too, yeah. <laughs> or like National Symphony had an audition. Yeah. And, you know, just huge jobs and I had nothing on my resume. And they're like, we'd like to hear a tape first, <laughs> yes. which is fine. Okay, so let's say you're in, you know, you have the audition coming up. There's preparation, we'll talk about that later, but then you get yourself there. We'll talk about your instruments too that you need to get there. And what happens at the audition well, itself? Especially for our instruments, we play oh, yeah. large instruments. Oh yeah, and so, so we didn't just, say that. Just getting to the city itself is a can be a, a nightmare and a struggle. And you know, Mike playing timpani, he can't really fly with his, but as a bass player you can fly and it's a huge nightmare. You have to put your your bass in a fiberglass flight case that is, you know, this giant, you know, Egyptian sized sarcophagus for your <laughs> instrument. And you have to go to the airport, you know, two, three, four hours early and just pray that they take it. And not every airline takes it. Sometimes they do, sometimes they don't. Uh, and you're You know, once you're there, you've already booked your flight and you're kind of at their mercy. And that's, for me, just in terms of all of the uh, practicalities of getting, of taking an audition, that is the most stressful. So you book sure. your flights, you book yeah. your hotel, you pay for all that yourself out of your pocket. Yeah. You get there, you get to the hall, 9 a.m., what happens? Can, can I actually backtrack? Oh, yes, absolutely. I would, yeah, this Because, is important for timpani well, well, and percussion. I don't know, I'm going to go even back further than that. Um, <laughs> You don't always get accepted to the auditions. So there's the unfortunate reality. So sometimes you have to make tapes. Um, sometimes your resume just is straight up rejected. Uh, mm -hmm. You don't have enough experience or they only have a, a limited amount of time to hear candidates and they're very selective. Um, so that's a harsh reality of you find jobs that you want to take. Yeah. You submit your resume and it's very common to be denied um, when you're, you know, especially in school, until you start doing well at auditions. Um, and then you kind of get in this situation where you're either hoping that they have you make a tape and you can put your product out there, you're playing, or you're relying on a teacher or a colleague or someone to vouch for you to try and get you into the audition, which I've had numerous situations where I've had to do that, um, you know, be, to even be able to make a tape. I've had to have a former teacher kind of lobby for me, if you will. Um, and then to, to fast forward, as far as Andrew explained, getting his instrument to uh, an audition. For timpani, it's, it's kind of a... It's, a, it's, it's crazy uh, because some orchestras will let you bring your own timpani if you want. Um, so that enters the world of you're renting a van and you're driving your drums whatever distance to the city and you're dealing with loading them in and all of the, the challenges that go along with that. Other orchestras don't let you bring instruments. They provide instruments. So then you're showing up and you're playing this audition that's going to potentially decide the future of your career and life on totally foreign instruments. Mm -hmm. um, it'd be I the think a good phrase to describe that would be crapshoot. Yeah, it is. It is <laughs> you, you basically are rolling the dice on uh, what the quality of instruments are and everything like that. So that's like a whole nother. Do they allow practice time before? It depends on the audition. Um, 
the well-run auditions give everyone an opportunity anywhere from three to five minutes on stage with the instruments. Okay. Um, so you can familiarize yourself with them. And sometimes it's just you on stage. Sometimes everyone in your audition group is on stage, so you can listen to other people. Oh. It's a real good opportunity to vibe people and just <laughs> set, the, set the tone. Intimidate you know? your intimidate, opponents. In, yeah, intimidate your opponents and just play as loud as humanly possible for five minutes straight. <laughs> nice. I'm just kidding. I, I've only done that a handful of times. <laughs> okay, great. So now that you've gotten your instruments there, we'll say everything went well. So what happens at the nine o'clock uh, time? It happens a little differently every place, but and especially, you know, we're both Americans. We've taken a lot. We've taken a lot more auditions in America than we have in Canada, and most places in the U.S. where you're audition auditioning for the prelim round. Uh, and by the way, just so our audience knows, there's typically three rounds, sometimes four rounds of mm -hmm. auditions. So the first round, the most amount of people in the States, uh, usually they give you an hour time slot and say, you're going to play on this day in the 1, 1 p.m. group. Mm -hmm. And there might be four, five, six people okay. uh, in that group. And you show up, you're supposed to show up an hour early. Um, but some orchestras in Canada, you show up, everyone shows up at the same time, everyone draw numbers. This is what I've done. Yeah. Up to 30, 40 people, you yeah. show up and you pick a number. Yeah, and you could play a, And you can wait. You could be number three, one, five, you could be number 35 hours. or yes, 40, yes, and yes. you might not be playing till. So one know. thing we didn't say yet is that when you're going to show up in the audition room or on stage, there's a screen. So that's why you have a number two, because they don't want to know who you are. So hopefully there's no discrimination and yes. they don't know being anonymous is the key to this whole democratic procedure hopefully hopefully um so the screen is up for usually most of the rounds sometimes it comes down but yeah the, the number drawing is to eliminate your identity as mm -hmm. mike kemp yeah. or andrew goodlett and you become candidate number one or candidate number three um and that is yeah, and you know, back in the 50s, just for history's sake, uh, the screen started coming up in the 50s, and before that, it was basically all male orchestras all over the mm -hmm, place. Mm -hmm. And you know, our orchestra is basically 50% male, female. Mm -hmm. Pretty much, I think most orchestras are. And before yeah. that, also, a lot of it was by appointment, too, especially in the big positions. A lot of nepotism. Positions. Yeah, it was, you know, you're, you would have a teacher and a, a job would come open and someone would reach out to one of the big pedagogue teachers and say, who's your student for this job? And a handful of people would go and play for a music director. And oh, yeah. it was a very, you know, it was much, much less. There was a joke for a while with this old school teacher at Northwestern who played in Chicago Symphony, uh, Warren Benfield, put a lot of students into a lot of orchestras. And the joke was if somebody called, a lot of orchestras just call him at his studio he's like he's like oh we're we need a player do you got anybody and it was just whoever happened to be oh, yeah. in, in his studio for a lesson at the time would <laughs> get, a, get a job you know ah the good old days yeah so you were also saying there was a there's a carpet often between when you walk into the room to where you're going to play so they don't hear your heels so yeah they don't that was a know. big you know to counteract sexism mostly uh, uh -huh. you know they could hear you know, if, if uh, a stage is a resonant area, right? Uh -huh. And, you know, if you have a nice wood floor, you can hear the difference between what, 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 who's what, walking yeah. out. The, yeah, the goal is to make it 
the most even playing ground, male to female, mm-hmm. um, across the board. Yeah, yeah any anything. any any possible, you know, advantage anyone could have is is to be eliminated, and it's 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 supposed to just be who plays music the most desirable to the people that are on the committee, which we also haven't t- talked about. So behind this, this screen in the room or on stage is a committee of uh, musicians from the orchestra you're auditioning for. It's usually anywhere between... Like seven, eight, nine, ten Yeah, people. seven to twelve, depending on the orchestra and the job. Uh, and they're elected and or you know picked to sit on this committee, and they sit there. And they listen to everyone play. Yeah, in some auditions, like uh, at least for bass, the largest audition I think I've heard of was New York Phil, and there was 150 people that came out for that. Mm. And that committee listens to 150 people. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, and everybody gets like 10 minutes, basically. So, exactly, that was my next question. Um, how long do you play for and what do you play? I know some orchestras have in their collective agreement that they have to make let people play a certain amount of time, but it wasn't the case for me when I. Yeah, it's it's another. It kind of depends on the organization that you're auditioning for. There there are orchestras that will they have a maximum amount of time that you can play for. Um, so they it have. Can be two minutes, three minutes, yeah, four they, minutes. Yeah, they've yeah. they've actually. Like I've, some orchestras are notorious. They they hear one note and they don't like it and they yeah. cut you off. <laughs> yeah, which um, is devastating. Which I I don't think many people have experienced, but I can't imagine that. But yeah, usually you know you show up and. Uh, at your appointed time for the prelim round and out of that list out of that excerpt list yeah so we didn't talk about that list yeah so once you commit you send send your resume and they send you back the repertoire that you have to know for the audition and it's usually like a A solo work or two solo works uh, of your choice and then it might be 15, 20 like a huge audition would be like 30 excerpts wow Um, I've seen that and uh, or full pieces. Or full pieces. A lot of times, oh, yeah. especially for principal timpani auditions, it'll be the complete Beethoven Symphony one, three, five, seven, eight, nine. Nice. You know, <laughs> uh, like full Brahms symphonies, and, and it's, you know, the reality is, if you're if you're a serious contender for one of the positions that you're auditioning for, you you should be able to play anything from the repertoire that they put on the yeah. list. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's, the, that's the goal, right, is to, to be able to perform at the bare minimum the repertoire that they provide. And it, it's quite extensive. So, so the list is put out, um, and you have time to look at it and, and months to prepare it. And then when you get there, uh, after you draw the number, they take specific excerpts from that list so maybe typical round might anywhere from five to nine excerpts they hear specific spots from that list so let's say you prepare 30 pieces from the classical repertoire that are put on this list and then you're 10 minutes on stage you have to perform eight of those specific things and Um, with those specific excerpts you know they don't care if you can play the easy stuff right mm -hmm. they just Every excerpt you play in an audition yeah. is the is some of the hardest yes, stuff yes. in the orchestral repertoire for your instrument. So, you know, we, you have to do all these rounds for an audition. So in that sense, it's a marathon because you have to get through multiple days. But the actual round itself is this crazy kind of sprint type Olympic event because you have to do 
you know, for, at least for my instrument for bass, a lot of the stuff in auditions, like the hardest stuff to play on bass is playing fast and loud while having a good sound and having clarity. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of our excerpts, especially what we, what we considered first round excerpts, are loud and fast. And you, you <laughs> yes. have to do the hardest stuff that was written for your instrument. And do it just and, like that. And just, you know, no, yeah, at the drop no of a hat and you got to play, yeah. you know, you do that for 10 minutes. And then it's like, wow, I've, you're exhausted afterwards. Uh-huh. So then once you've played your first round, for me, that was the most stressful part. It's the hardest they round come of out and for sure. um, yeah. then they tell you, they call the numbers. Yeah, so you go, you play, and you're in a little waiting room <laughs> with yeah. everyone that has played yeah. before which, and after. Which is another opportunity to vibe everyone yeah. again, uh, <laughs> to just talk about how loud you played your concerto. Or it, it, it's really you know, interesting. Complain about something that you know really just throws <laughs> so, everyone so off. So how do you do? You're like, oh, did anyone else have to play extra excerpts in that round? And, or, that, that's, you know, that's just a thing. Make, pe- make people think a little bit. That's a thing with the pre- with any round really, but you know, you, they might say, say they pick six excerpts to hear in a round uh, it's generally a bad sign if they cut you off after the second yes. excerpt yes. and you know it's a good sign if you play all of them uh, if they make they might make you replay something with you know a different articulation or uh, you know if they yeah that, that's usually they something. usually heard you know they heard something that they like yeah. they want to see if you can do it a little differently uh, but yeah you play you're sitting in this waiting room and Let's say they're voting after every eight people, and you're just if you play first, you could be waiting an hour, an hour and a half, and the personnel manager comes in. If, if they're nice, they'll say something like, "It's thank you all so much for coming. We all know how hard this is." I'm getting anxiety uh, just listening <laughs> to you say this right now. Like, we, yeah, like, we've all been, we've all t- taken auditions, and I don't miss them one bit. Yeah, they'll say something like that, and then they'll be like. Uh, Like the worst scenario is always no one from your group advanced, or like number four, number two, and number five, you advance to the next round. Or and before that, the the voting procedure to get to that point. So it's very cutthroat, right? It's um, it's basically a yes or no vote by those people that we are saying are behind the screen, listening to you play music, uh, which is which is kind of comical in itself, Uh right? It's you're you're essentially. Yes or no to music, Yeah, you're, like you're basically you these people that you have no idea who they are and you hopefully respect musically are basically deciding yes or no, you're a good enough musician for them to hear more of. Yes, yes. Um, it's it's pretty crazy. Yeah. And we'll talk but, about that later, yeah. like whether it's fair or but so, not so fair. So usually but you, need, um, a good you need a certain amount of votes to advance and to it the next round. Per, and it, yeah, it, dep- it depends per group and per t- round and whatnot. Are. So you'd, let's say you'd have to get seven votes to advance. So then you, if you have six, like, sorry, but please so come close. again. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, bum, 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 like Price is Right. <laughs> um, but, but so, yeah, you, you basically are putting... It, I, I compare the whole process a little bit to, as Andrew compared it to like an Olympic sprint, it's kind of like Olympic figure yeah. skating where that you have these judges from different oh, countries yeah. and they're like judging your performance. And everyone has and a little bit of a different idea of what, how it should go or what it should be At like. At least it's not yes, no. Like, you know, it's yeah. a number yeah. of points but it's, that yeah, yeah, it's yeah, still it's very subjective. Good. Yeah, it's, yeah. So anyways, that's, that's it's just a very, uh, very subjective yeah. and 
interesting mm -hmm. in, in process. You uh, know, you can play the same thing for 10 different people and 10 different people will hear it 10 different ways. We have some exciting concerts coming up with Julian, one in particular, Amadeus Live. We are playing the soundtrack to the Academy Award winning movie. Everybody liked me. I like myself. Until he came. That night changed my life. So I remember when I saw the movie for the first time, what an impact it had, the music. I don't think I had heard the music before I was a teenager. And with his life and how scary I thought it was to the faith, uh, you know, knocking at the door. Uh, it was really uh, life-changing for me to see that and to discover Mozart. I'm a vulgar man. I assure you, my music is not. Amadeus Life is on April 13th and 14th at the Manitoba Centennial Concert Hall. Tickets start at $25. Call the WSO box office at 204-949-3999 or go to wso.ca for more information. things we've all yeah. been on audition juries yeah. too and you come in with what you think you want as a colleague and sometimes absolutely it's yeah. like oh for me this is well and sometimes you end up getting into uh <laughs> heated arguments yes, with your absolutely. colleagues yeah. because you the weeds a little bit yeah yes. you're just you're like dumbfounded by what they think is yes exactly acceptable i guess i don't know yeah mm -hmm. great so pretty much then we do this process two or three more times of going through rounds yeah. and being eliminated and it just, yeah, it's, it's, or not. It's kind whittling, of whittling the pool down to, mm -hmm. you know, one person. Yeah. yeah. Occasionally zero people. Yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> that's ultimately the worst outcome is that uh, you get to the, the finals and they decide not to hire anyone. It's kind of a giant slap in the face because mm. you've wasted time and money and they're saying that no one's qualified for the job, which is just... How crazy, much money does one audition cost? I mean, it depends on the flights and I everything. I usually budget the money that I'm going to spend. Like, 1500 is what I usually... And I usually don't hit that, but it's nice to, you know, mm -hmm. budget that much. But especially, you know, if you get a cheap flight for, like, 300 or 400 maybe, uh, you never know what it's going to be for the base. Sometimes... The cheapest I've paid is 75 each way, but oh, I've had some airlines charge me more than $400 each way. So you have, you really have no idea. How many auditions have you taken? I have probably taken 25 to 30. And I'd put myself in that same tw oh, okay. like upper 20s, low 30s range as well. Maybe probably mid mid to upper twenties. Okay. But it's it's not as expensive for myself just because I don't I am I personally don't take my drums very often. Okay. Um, I know my predecessor here was very 
very particular and like to travel with his instruments because it's, it's, it's an advantage for sure. If you can take your own instruments, you know the way they sound, you know how they feel, it's, it's, you're at an advantage to do that. I don't know whether it's laziness or I'm just <laughs> a superior human being, but I find uh, <laughs> shots fired. Uh, uh, I know. I just, I, I just, I find it. It can be more stressful than than just playing on what's provided because you're so concerned about making sure everything's really well in in place and everything's perfect instead of just, I don't know. I'm my, oh hello. <laughs> um, I'm I'm more of a. Should we wait for the, okay. the dishes? Clean up aisle nine. <laughs> Clean up aisle nine here. Um, in general, as we'll probably get into as we kind of keep going, I'm a much more low-key, easy-going auditioner. Like a lot of people have. <laughs> yeah, I just I go with the flow, and that seems to be how, what works for me. Um, and the more like uptight I get the worse my result is for oh, sure. Yeah. So also with auditions, you get super good at asking to crash on people's couches that you've like almost never met before. I was going to say that's, there, there's, <laughs> there's, you know, you're talking to a friend and they're like, oh yeah, I know somebody, I know somebody in that town. Like, yeah, like, let me, I'll, I'll, I'll hook you up. And, you know, but that's one of the, you know, in the classical music world, the auditions are one of those things that if, like, if you want to join an orchestra, everyone has to do. And everyone's been through it everyone knows that it they're sucks. not yeah like you have to love it's a love-hate relationship yeah, um for sure and uh yeah everybody's from at least my experience people are especially well at least in the bass world i think maybe for other instruments it's different okay. i don't know what violinists or i don't know wind players are violists, like if you violists will. for instance um yeah but bass players it's a big you know fraternity slash sorority and everyone mm -hmm. wants to yeah Okay, I want to talk about the demands of the preparation. Uh, because beyond, you know, uh, Andrew, you said before, uh, it's usually the bits we have to play loud and fast and so on. But beyond that, there's such a rigor to what's written in the part. And I think that um, for non-musicians especially, you know, the attention that we need to pay to every single dot line and dynamic and everything is really to a T. So when we prepare for that, I have a little story myself. Um, one time I was preparing for an audition and, you know, you're kind of like submerged in your repertoire for a few weeks before. That's all you do. You eat, you listen, you, you play that. And so that morning I get to the airport and uh, it was very early, I don't know, six and I pass security. This was 20 years ago. Pass through security. I get on the other side and I hear viola music at the airport. And I'm like, how cool that they play classical music and it's viola music. And then you woke up from your dream. And no, thank you. <laughs> then I listen a little bit more. I'm like, what? It's a piece that I play. It's a Bach piece that I play. That's a sign. If I get to the airport and they play my Bach, that's gonna be a sign. I'm listening and it stops and restarts. I'm like, oh someone else going to the same audition yeah somebody must be practicing in the airport but you have to remember i'm a little cuckoo from all this practicing my own excerpts yeah. so i'm walking in the airport looking and i'm looking up going it must be a second floor where is this person practicing this violist is doing the same audition well 
I ended up going and opening doors and washrooms and all this in my backpack behind me. I used to have a little recorder that actually had a speaker and when I went through security, it hit the play button. It was myself playing because I recorded myself. Did you like how it sounded? So very good. Like, wow, I thought it sounded great. great. When you don't know, it's yourself, right? This is another <laughs> subject. Is, yeah. We're so critical. But if you don't know, it's yourself. I'm like, wow, they play this really well. So this just shows you how crazy I had become yeah. with all this meticulous preparation. Yeah. Let's it, explore that, yeah, that a little I, bit. You want to go? Well, it, it's, it's, I'll, I'll let you grab the ball here, but it, it is a, it's a deep, dark hole that uh, <laughs> the audition prep has taken many people to weird places for sure um, but but you like you almost have to you have to you have to just lose yourself in in your your goal of become perfect. obsessed yeah with i mean it's obsessive right because you never know what what's going to matter and and who's listening to what or or what's important so it's uh I think Andrew and I both could share personal stories of <laughs> just how weird things got yeah. in our preparation, but I don't know if you want to... Well, it's, it's a super fine line, like what you're saying with you know, the details on the page and all that. It's, it's a really... You've got to walk a fine edge of getting those details, but also seeing the forest for the trees. Um, and I, do you mean playing musically? Not, well, not just musically, but um, it's so easy to focus on one little detail, and that's all you do. And you just focus. And it's so easy to get hyper focused on these minutia, and like they are important, but you also need to have a broader context with everything. And um, it's easy oh. to forget along the way that at the end of the day you're playing music. Like yeah. the the people that play the most musically usually have yes. the most success. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. But but when you're working on perfecting a, a bow stroke or intonation or something like that, it, it's like you want to rip your hair out because nothing's ever good enough, right? Yeah. And it may be one trying. note out of an excerpt that's, you know two minutes long mm-hmm. or something mm-hmm. and uh, something that you just hyper focus on you play it for people and you're like well what do you think about this note and they're just like oh I didn't really notice it yes. and, <laughs> you're like, and, it, and that drives you nuts too because I worked on that for hours you know and so which, wait, wait wait how many hours do you think you put in if I'm what uh, like cumulative or no just pre one audition you know it's just I, yeah. if I have nothing else to play that day uh, three to five hours mm-hmm. depending on and I'll you know I'll only spend five to ten minutes on one excerpt and like okay which is, so are you organized in a way yeah that you go through? And like when I was younger I used to you know, 19, 20, 21 in college, you know, really you're just, and I started bass when I was 17. So like I, when I started taking auditions, I really couldn't play the instrument. So, you know, I was just struggling, struggling to play these actors, (laughs) let alone, you know, fine tune them for professional auditions. (laughs) And so, uh, yeah, I spent so much time just trying to, you know, blow through these excerpts and, you know, just get, be able to play them. But you reach a certain point when you've done enough auditions. I mean, there are people that win their first, second, third auditions, but they're really rare. 
uh, a lot of people have to take a lot of them. And you get to a certain point where <laughs> you have already played all this stuff before and you're just honing in on making it a more complete product. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, not spending an hour on one excerpt is, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. much more beneficial. What about you, Mike? So for me, I've kind of gone through a, several different versions of how I prepare for auditions. Um, when I was in my master's degree in Cleveland, the person that I was studying with was diligent about us just putting in as many hours as possible. So I was, it would not be unusual for me to have 10 to 12 hour days yeah. of practicing for yeah. an audition wow. um, for, yeah, like for a couple of years. That was me too. And, and it's, uh, <coughs> you know, then, then you'd go in a lesson and like this teacher would ask you how long you've practiced, you know, if something didn't sound good and you're like, how long have you been practicing? And you're like, I've done 10 hours today. And it's like, why not 12? You know, and you're like, I had to eat my peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You know, it's like, but, but so that was like one version. And then um, the, the, the teacher that really kind of influenced how I now have formed into my audition prep is uh, really one of the most influential mentors for me. He's the principal timpanist of the San Francisco Symphony now. His name's Ed Steffen. And he really... Um, kind of broadened my perspective to looking at audition preparation like professional athletes would and he, yeah. he's a very yeah. very um, strong like road biker he used to race bikes and all that so he, he has this whole breakdown of how many weeks out so you have your different stages of preparation mm -hmm. and so the early stages are just like a build stage and you do you know maybe you're only doing two to three hours a day or two hours a day of just technique and kind of working on specific things and then when you're you know so many weeks out from the audition that's in your peak phase and that's when you're putting in the like four to six hours a day if you can and really just pounding the pavement trying to, to, to that's when you make your biggest gains I'd say yeah. as far as like perfecting it and then the the thing that's important that I think when you're young it's it's easy to forget it's just like you know I played beer league hockey now and when I was younger I could go out and play a ton of games and not stretch and wake up the next day and feel as good as new and now if I play one game I wake up the next day and I feel like tin man <laughs> like when you're younger you can get away with putting oh, in all of these hours yeah, yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> but um, when you're younger you can get away with putting in these hours and you don't really feel it but what you're what you're missing is is the the, the process of letting things settle in yeah. so like the best athletes in the world when they train they, they rest as hard as they train. So yeah. you get to a point where you have to, you put in the hours, right? But, but you have to allow yourself to recover both physically Especially. and mentally from the, it's just such an intense thing. So that goes in both the preparation leading up to it. And then I, I, I go into a really strong taper period right before I go to an audition where I, I don't I don't practice that much. I maybe play, and this is, we can get into yeah. mock auditions, which is you yeah. try and create the environment as best you can and just have people that make you nervous and you put you put yourself through uh you know mock rounds of of playing and you maybe do a couple of those here and there but you're really just kind of uh trying to make yourself feel good and you're doing things that make you feel positive whether it's going out for bike rides walks hanging out with friends just things that you're, you're trying to pump yourself what about up, you know? nerves preparation well, that's, that's part of the whole... Visualization? Yeah, yeah, so I saw a sports psychologist when I was in oh, yeah. Cleveland. Uh, the teacher that I saw recommended I, I had been having great success for a while at auditions, and then I fell on a, a cold patch of, of no dice, and I was... <laughs> 
strongly encouraged to see a sports psychologist. What happened when you fell on a cold patch? What happened? I, I mean, I, I, I was miserable uh, because no, I felt like nothing I could do was okay. good enough. And, and I just was very... It, the, the highs and lows of auditioning are... It's feast or famine. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like when you do well, it's great. You always want to win. And when you do well, it's, it's, it's wonderful. When you do well and you get cut in any round, like you don't advance, it sucks, but you can deal with it because you feel good about how you play. And when you don't... Go out there and just yeah, you donk just, it or double donk it. Yeah, you just... And you, you just... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's miserable. Yeah, and then you're you're just like I wasted all of this money and time, and I might as well had just like gone on vacation to Hawaii or something and like <laughs> burned my instrument. But um, the the nerves and, and all of that is that's the, the the preparation aspect of doing mock auditions and trying to put yourself in these situations. So when I went and saw the sports psychologist. Um, he, he was huge on visualization. So a large part of my audition prep now comes through that. And it's, I try and find, uh, I go online and I'll find a picture of the, the hall or the space that I'm auditioning in um, on a Google image search or something like that. And I'll print that out. And I put that in my practice studio so I can see the space, so I can visualize. And it's, it's a lot like being, uh, for me, I'm a very visual guy so it's 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 a lot like being a young kid and using your imagination so I, I I have the ability in my preparation that I can I can visualize myself more or less walking through the entire round whether it's from if I know the space um, I've had the benefit of taking auditions in a few spaces that I, I grew up around or I knew knew the halls or whatnot so I could I could visualize myself going all the way from walking into the hall to leaving the hall and I've been I can visualize myself winning auditions and the feeling of joy inside. I can also oh, wow. visualize. Do you ever visualize yourself losing auditions? I do. I do. I do. And because because you, I, I think being able to to handle yourself in a gracious way when you don't yeah, advance and you don't win is also an important part of this process. Because we all know people that don't do that. There's some infamous people in the Tiffany audition scene that are terrible losers and I've seen <laughs> banana peels thrown at doors I've seen temper tantrums thrown and, and like no one wants to be that guy like I had a teacher in my undergrad that just he would always say don't be that guy and I never like really knew like he and then he, you see that guy and you're like oh, yeah oh, that's that's I mean wrong. and there's like different versions like he told me that because I would wear white socks with my tuxedo to school concerts and I was like that guy that was wearing white ankle socks with a tuxedo but but like <laughs> if you can't find that guy, that means you probably are. The yeah, guy. exactly. But um, so the visualization is huge because, especially for I think for both of our instruments, but for timpani, um, knowing the space and being able to fill the space with sound and articulation. I mean, that's part of the preparation for us is figuring out what mallets to use. And so a lot of that is relying on people that have either played in that hall or are the timpanist or the former timpanist or have been students of the timpanist. And you can ask, you know, is this hall boomy? Is it wet? Is it dry? Is it, what is it like? Because that all kind of depends on what types of mallets we'll use. And it's very, it's usually quite different mallets that you pick to use for an audition than you would to play in the job, for instance. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's, it's all part of that, that you need to have all of those pieces of information to be able to visualize and, and put yourself in it's, it's also um, you know my mom is a also a professional musician Andrew and I both have had the, the benefit of growing up in an orchestra world um, 
And my mom actually taught a class at Eastman about how to win an audition, which was hilarious because for a long time, I was case study number one because I had never won an audition. And she was like, my son did this wrong. You know, it was like one of those kind of things. It was always like, great. But she was always really big on, on you know, yoga and, and like the, the meditative aspect of things. And I was, you know, it's when your mom's telling you to do yoga, you're like, no, mom, I'm going to go play sports and yeah you know. especially as, I, as, as I've gotten older the physical side of, of playing the bass is every bass player goes through it it's hard on your body playing any musical instrument is hard on your body in different ways um, we're athletes but, yeah exactly we're, we're, and uh, but especially with auditions like the older I've gotten the more I've appreciated uh, and learned to utilize exercise away from the instrument uh, to you know manage stress levels before auditions and yeah. you know it, it helps it not, not just helps your stress level so everyone's had those auditions or those big performances where you can't sleep the night before or you know you're just you're yeah. for the week before your heart rates up and you just you know you want to tell yourself to stop freaking out but it's really hard mm -hmm. to do that um, and sometimes you're totally fine but um, you know utilizing legitimate exercise as you know a tool to help your auditions is a real thing define legitimate exercise uh, <laughs> walking to and from my kitchen and bedroom <laughs> to go to sleep uh, Okay, so have you, would you segment? Yes and yes. <laughs> well, you'll see. First okay. of all, have you ever prepared the wrong material for an audition? <laughs> Funny Andrew, story. do you want to take this? <laughs> okay, it's a, it's a quick answer. These yes. Okay, Mike? No. Oh, okay, good. Have you actually gone into an audition without preparing? Just, I'm going to be amazing, go cold turkey. Yes. That kind was Mike. Of. Kind of. Kind of. Have you considered um, something to calm you, uh, like beta blockers or something to calm the nerves before an audition? It's very common now nowadays. Yes, certainly. Yes. <laughs> okay. Uh, have you ever walked out before playing? You walk in a room, you're like, I'm not feeling it, I can't do that. I'm walking out, I'm not even playing a note. No. Definitely not. Okay. You're good, already good, there. Good. Why are you like, you're saving yourself a little bit of there's embarrassment. A, yeah, there's a screen you're up. No one knows. No one knows what's going on. You just swing for the fences at that point. Yeah. And Have you ever, some orchestras, if they know you, they'll allow you to start at the second or third round mm -hmm. because they feel like they need, need to give you a little privilege. Have you ever done that? Yes. Yes. Has it kind of paid off? I don't think so. Uh, yes, for me. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, it's it's like a that's always a hot button. That issue. is a hot. Yes. That is. And a, that's, yeah. I think, like, let's say you get pre-advanced to the semifinals. Uh, if you're anybody that wins the job, is going to be able to play through all the rounds. Mm -hmm. And so it it doesn't really bother me either way. I've been I've been the person a few times that have been pre-advanced. I've also been the person a lot of times that hasn't been. Mm -hmm. And uh, at the end of the day you still have to be 
to win the job, you still have to sound the best on that day. Mm -hmm. And yeah, you have to beat everyone at music, yeah. Yeah. which yes. is hilarious. <laughs> I like to say. beat like, everyone at music. Not a big uh, deal, but do you have superstitions? Things you need to walk right, left, right, left, a little thing to the right, then sneeze, then start. No, not sneeze. Kind of. Like I feel myself thinking that way, and I'm like, this is totally yes. asinine. Okay. Why? Like it really doesn't. Like yeah, there was feel like what to start, yeah, like right? you know, if you have a prelim and semis and finals on different days, it's like, well, I wore this outfit for, on the last round that I got through. But then you're just like, wait, what? And it's, you're just like, well, it, it really doesn't matter. Like obviously, the only thing that matters is, do you have your, you know, when you go in for that next round, do you have your head screwed on straight? Ready yep. to play. Yeah. You know? I, I, you? I have. I've I've you got uh, a rabbit's foot? No, I it, it, it's hit or miss, but I, I've been the I've been the outfit guy. I mean I've certainly been the like I, I will wear the exact same thing every day as long as I keep advancing. Actually at this I mean, audition I just do that normally in life. This so. audition this audition I I had um I had like this this little mint that was like <laughs> It was broken, Wait, and, and I kept a it. It was mint? like a like a, a candy? like a candy mint, <laughs> like a breath mint. Breath mint that was like you not used a breath. No, no, it was like it, it was like it was in the wrapper. You carried it with but you? I kept it in my pocket for every round. Plus, I went to Tim Hortons before every round because I am a true Western New York. Canadian wannabe Canadian wannabe Canadian hockey boy that found that if I had a Tim Hortons Boston cream donut before every round okay. it seemed to okay. be the mojo so I just kept okay. the, kept it rolling so oh, that's too yeah. funny. have you sat on an audition jury yes have you learned from sitting on an yes. audition big time yeah big yes time. and do you think and we're going to talk about this more, that the audition process is actually fair, reflects what we need uh, when we hire people. I think it is the most fair system that we yet have to date. It's not 100% perfect. And the audition process shows a certain set of skills. And it, those the skills required on the job are not always test you can't test everything required to do the job in an audition because uh, you don't have 70 other people there playing mm -hmm. at the same time mm -hmm. uh, with the music director it's just that's just impossible and that's where you know we have a tenure review process that's where that whole thing comes in and there's you know playing in an orchestra is a team sport and mm -hmm. there are a whole slew of things that you cannot test in related to just teamwork in an audition and so it's not a perfect system, but it's the best we have. I Teamwork think. does make the dream work, by the yeah. way. That's yes. an important thing to put in there. But it, it, I agree with everything Andrew just said. It's, uh, it's like the best of what we have available. Um, and it's, you, you know, there's, there's all, there's, my wife is a female bass player mm -hmm. and plays with the WSO sometimes. <clears throat> and there's this big thing that's been going on about you know, there's not enough diversity in the bass section. There's not enough females in, in the bass section. Like in, 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 across, in, across just in general, just in general. In general. And, and, you know, and, and things like that, there's certainly, like, I can't say that that's not a legitimate issue because it is. In some places, it's a more real issue than others as far as having biases and, and being, you know, the old boys clubs, if you will. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but a lot of 
the reason why there's not as, as many females, in, like in timpani, you know, there's not that many female principal timpanists, is one, there's just not that many opportunities, and two, it, there's not that many females showing up to the auditions. So mm-hmm. it's like a statistics thing, and right? That, like, but that also goes back to like, you know, grassroots high school yeah, band or, programs, oh, yeah. middle school and, band programs, and systema, and, and, and being like, exposed. Yeah, it's a systemic issue, right? It's yeah. A, so it's it, it is. It's. I always joke with people, like I said earlier, you know, like I like taking auditions because I like beating people at music, which is just so hilarious to think about. It's like, yeah, I'm so much better at music than you. Like, I timpanied so much better than you today. Like, you suck, you know? Like, so. Mike the hockey player, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, yeah. Um,. So I do have some kind of flash questions that I want to keep for the end. But before, I want to hear um, just a couple of stories. Uh, it can be your worst audition experience, your best audition experience, something about your strengths, your weaknesses. Um, I think one thing that'll illustrate uh, maybe just how times have changed, uh, especially in the bass world. So. Uh, and this also ties into maybe one of my worst auditions that I ever took. Uh, I, it was one of my first auditions for, I was, I was like 19 maybe, for assistant principal in Louisville Symphony. And 19 or 20. And Mozart 40 was on it. And the last movement of that is notoriously difficult uh, for the bass section. And I, I, I stopped three times trying to play that excerpt and they just let me keep on going at it and trying to you know <laughs> trying to do it I just I was so embarrassed um, that was one of my worst audition experiences but um, at that audition my dad played in the Louisville Symphony when he was an undergrad as an organ performance and church music major uh, and when I took the audition so this would have been like 2005 or 2006 it was something like 40, 45 people showed up for the audition. Mm. When my dad took the audition, uh, he took it, I think he was like 17, and he was able to send in a tape. I think he was at Interlochen oh, at the time. Uh-huh. I'm not sure if I have the whole, all the details right, but they let, let, it, they let him send him a tape. And uh, I think three or four other people applied. And yeah. you know, he was in the Louisville Symphony. Things have changed, it's you know, the the, yeah. the competition, there are more people now playing classical music than has ever happened before. And the amount of spots hasn't exactly grown with or the amount of spots for full-time orchestras where, you know, that's all you have to do to make a living is play in those orchestras. That hasn't really grown that much. And there are just so many talented, hardworking players, which is why these, you know, the audition scene has become a... You know, it is basically an Olympic event now. Yeah, it, yeah, it can be a bloodbath. Yeah. What about you, Micah? Story. Um, so I guess one of my worst audition moments <laughs> was uh, for the St. Louis Symphony Orchestra. <laughs> uh, and it's 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 one that just I I was so prepared and I had worked my butt off preparing for it and went in and played my prelim and. They asked, I think, seven or eight excerpts in the first round. And seven of my excerpts I played exactly how I wanted to play and nailed them. The eighth excerpt, 
for timpani, the, the, the big challenge for timpanists is they ask tuning excerpts because we have the foot pedals and you know you need to actually show that you can play in tune and, and execute correct pitches and all that. So the last excerpt they asked was one of the you know, meat and potato tuning excerpts. And is this Bartok? This is the Bartok Concerto ah. for Concerto for Orchestra. Thank you. Slow movement. I have I have played a lot for Andrew, and he has heard timpani excerpts as I have heard bass audition excerpts a lot. Um, and so I had recently, before the audition, not recently, but in my preparation, I had changed how I played this excerpt. Um, and so when the when the pressure was on, and I had to play this one excerpt, I had a complete brain fart, and just just. It was atrocious, and it was one of those moments where it was so atrocious that the committee, like from behind the screen, was like, "Would would the candidate like to play that again?" Because it was like they were in disbelief at how good everything was up until that, and how bad that was. And it like, you know, I, I had a moment of sitting there and be like, "Yeah, yeah, he he really would like to play that again." <laughs> but but then I was so rattled by how bad it was that the second time was. Ten times worse. Right, can I tell one more story? It was atrocious. So, I was taking an audition for Detroit Symphony, and one of my former Achilles heels excerpts was uh, the trio, I mean the scherzo to Schubert's Ninth Symphony, mm-hmm. and it's just this huge arpeggio and flat keys across the instrument that is, it's a nightmare. Um, knocks a lot of people out a lot of times. And so I go in, and this, I think this is in the semifinals, and I hear the principal from behind the screen say, uh, yeah, could, could you play that again with, uh, and focusing on uh, intonation, rhythm, and your sound quality. And it's like literally everything. Yeah, that, like, what's left? And so I'm like, I'm like okay, all right. And same thing, I was so rattled. I tried it again. It was worse than the first time. And then I hear the principal again, just like, uh, can, can you try that one more time? And it was even worse than that. And it's just oh. like that feeling of just like, you're halfway through an excerpt and you're just like, this sounds terrible. Uh, <laughs> what, like sometimes you just, you're in the middle of it, you're like, I don't know what's going on. And I, I'll never forget that. It's like, can you literally please play everything better? Yeah. Could you suck less? (laughs) Basically. (laughs) Great. Okay, here's some flash questions. Okay. So we've established that we're nervous before auditions, but are we nervous before concerts? Uh, Very rarely. Yeah, very rarely for me. There's been like a select handful of concerts that I will get nervous for. The only times I get nervous for concerts are when. I'm doing doubling on an instrument I oh, yeah, don't really play. Or yeah, or it's like, you know, I've played anything from like guitar, electric bass, banjo, mandolin with the WSO. That's true. And anytime I play drum set, I'm yeah, sweating bullets with the WSO. Especially like guitar and electric bass is fine, but when it's the couple times I've had to do banjo and mandolin, I'm just sweating bullets. Okay. It's like, oh, dear Lord, please let this work. So what was your scariest concert? Uh... I've, I have two yeah, that too. come to mind right off the bat. Just so, week. yeah, I've had I've had an opportunity to play principal timpani with the San Francisco Symphony, 
and I played Shostakovich's first symphony, and the fourth movement culminates, it builds up to this giant moment where the entire orchestra drops out and it's a timpani cadenza. Uh. So for my first time ever playing with the San Francisco Symphony in Davies Hall, uh, to have a timpani cadenza was probably one of the most unbelievably scary moments of my life. And the other one was I had an opportunity to play Bruckner 8th Symphony with the Pittsburgh Symphony with their music director. And that one was particularly just because I had gone to school there for my undergrad and my master's and it was such a special orchestra and special moment that I had kind of built this up into the, like, I, the culmination oh, I of see, my yes. life was that like timpani part and so I just like anything that went wrong was basically like I might as well die after that so those were those those would be the two for me I love how with uh, my, my stories are kind of similar but with performances it's always the ones that we like you don't feel like you got away with it but you knew like you were it was either going to go great or go terribly and we remember the ones that went great and you're like that'll always stick with you yeah but then with auditions the most memorable ones the ones you win but also the ones that are just terrible yeah that's true they always stick with you I mean, i could list off my bad performances <laughs> but that was not the question Andrew. <laughs> true okay fine um so my two one was my first one i was uh the summer after my freshman and sophomore year in undergrad, or my, what do they call it in Canada? Your first year and second year in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I've been playing bass for like a year and a half or two years. And I sent in an audition tape uh, to the National Youth Orchestra of the Netherlands. And actually Momoko and Julian were there. That, that was the summer they met. We all played in the same orchestra. Oh. Um, but... They gave me principal bass, which I'm like this little, I'm this kid that doesn't know how to play, right? And uh, I have kids, and I have not kids, they're adults in the section that were, you know, in, in, in masters and, you know, doctorate programs that were 28, 30. I've been playing bass for like 10, 12, 15 years. And so we're playing in the Concertgebouw, we're playing Shostakovich 15, and there's this huge bass solo in the slow movement that's just really lyrical beautiful thing and I didn't know literally what I was doing and I've never been you know packed house in the concerto about I've never been so terrified of stepping on the stage in my entire life and you know you're going to play it I knew for like two months I was going to play it and I you get on there and you're just you're I, I straight up blacked out like I had no idea yeah, how you, you wake up after the yeah. show and you're like, did it go well? Yeah. I, don't, I don't know. I have no <laughs> idea. Did I, did I crush it? I think it went all right. Uh, I hope, at least. And my other one uh, was the beginning of my like playing whatever random instruments for orchestras. Uh, I was at Lauren Mazel's music festival uh, that he had. He was, I think, 82 at the time uh, in Castle, Virginia. And they had Rudiman Porgy and Bess. And there's a couple banjo solos. And... They hired this hotshot banjo player from New York. I can't remember his name, but he had to bail like a week before. Oh. And the personal manager was freaking out. And I, she asked everybody, like, what should I do? What should I do? Like, well, A, we're in Virginia. Can you not find a banjo player? And, <laughs> and apparently they tried, but nobody could read music. Um, so I was like, all right, you get me a banjo. I'll learn it. I'll play it. And they couldn't get me a banjo until oh, wow. an hour and okay. a half Ooh. before the first rehearsal. Okay. And, but with Lauren Mazel, and 
I have to like jump, 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 da 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 do, and I'm just like freaking out. And yeah, it's one of those things because you know we grew up. I mean, Laura Mazel's been he was conducting for like what 50, 60 years or something. You know, he's been a superstar for like over half a century. And you grew up listening to so many recordings of his, whether you want to or not. And he's just a legend. And I just remember in one of the performances. Uh, I'm just sitting there playing banjo, just like, what has happened to my life? Like, how did I end up in this spot? It was amazing. That, those are two that really stick out for sure. Okay, a um, couple more. Um, the weirdest place or conditions you've played in, for me, it was at the, I played at the Pan Am pool. Oh, on yeah, the diving, you did that one. Yeah, yeah. On the diving duck. Dive, dive, uh, diving board? Uh, diving board, yes. Diving dock. <laughs> Close enough. For the sinking of the Titanic in the dark with like ice smoke coming at me and it just like on the side right besides the... I was like, wow, okay. It was a little, you know, not my usual conditions there. For I, The only one that comes immediately to mind that is uh, like worthy of bringing up on this wonderful podcast is when I was in Pittsburgh, myself and my two roommates, um, one of which is now the principal timpanist in Seattle, and the other one is the associate principal percussionist of the Cincinnati Symphony, were asked to play a djembe, which is the like hollowed out tree drum. We were asked to play a djembe trio by Zanakis in a club for a Mason Bates club performance the composer mason bates would do these uh mercury soul or what the concert's called and they're these like he djs and there are all these different orchestral interludes so we're in a full-blown nightclub in pittsburgh and like just you know people are drinking and having a good old time and it's the kind of music and then the lights go down and here's here's three here's three djembes three white boys with djembes get up on stage and play the sophisticated zanakis piece and then people lost their minds and it was no questions asked the most insane experience i think i've had i mean i've had other concerts that have been kind of just out but that was for sure the I mean I played in a lot of bands when I was in uh, undergrad and uh, grad school and it, I, I was a jazz major in undergrad played you know played a lot of stuff CD like that, but, nightclubs uh, but I was also in like a rock band in grad school in Chicago and yeah we played a lot of CD nightclubs and I I wish I could say that I did not fit right in there um, <laughs> but you know whatever Nothing too crazy. Okay. <laughs> Great. Okay. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to and thank opening you. up about your fun and also hard experiences uh, with auditions. Auditions, yeah. they're always fun. I would. Ed. No. They're, no. <laughs> I dis- disagree. They're not always fun, but we're, we're happy to participate and yeah. shed some light on the love-hate relationship. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Sometimes more hate are. than love. Yeah. And it's also important, too, I think, like before we sign off that, like, I think a lot of it's easy to tie in like your self-worth as a musician with the results of auditions and big time. And, you know, that's you can not do well at auditions or you can just not want to do auditions and like still be 
like a worthwhile individual as a musician, you know, <laughs> like that's like very important to keep in perspective. And human being. Yeah, I, I, I have <laughs> also more, that more often, more often than not second guessed my existence on the planet and not in a dark way, but like I have taken online job surveys, like what else would you do yes. in the wake of what auditions? Answer, though? Uh, you had some good ones. I had some good ones uh, like taxi driver, <laughs> Escort, fishmonger. <laughs> okay. Yeah, so maybe it's a good time to sign <laughs> yes, off. So. Great. Thank you so much, Andrew and Mike. Yeah, Thank my pleasure. You. Thank you. The Silence Between is a past bedtime studio production. Once again, I'm your host, Elise Lavelli, and thank you so much for joining us. Past bedtime.